Greetings, Wargamers. We're your hosts, Trevor, Jay, Josh, and this is Shane Attack. Attack. is sponsored by Discount Games Incorporated. Discount Games Incorporated specializes in customer service, low prices, and prompt shipping. You can find our web store at www.discountgamesinc.com. Chain Attack. I'm your host, Trevor, and uh, I've been delving into what we do in the shadows, and I am not sure what to think so far. The TV show? Yes. Oh, I love it. Really? <laughs> I wonder how much. I wonder how much Vampire the Ma- your history with Vampire, like your positive history with Vampire the Masquerade, affects your opinion of what we do in the shadows, the television series. I no, I don't. I don't think that's it at all. I mean, there are moments of brilliance, and then there are moments of um, head-scratching wonder, I guess, <laughs> is what I've got so far. I... <laughs> you basically described my entire career, Trevor. <laughs> I uh, I think I enjoyed it more than my wife did. I, I realized that it's more up my alley than hers, um, which is strange, because she loves vampires, but the humor is very um, not hers. British. Um, I wouldn't call it British. In, no. in fairness, I did. It's very New Zealand this, humor. This recommend, <laughs> yeah, that's fair. This this uh, recommendation to Josh, and in particular that he had to watch the City Council episode. <laughs> I, I did. I did, which was love, glorious. Yeah, the City Council episode so was pretty freaking amazing. Like the the. Uh, the one city council member that that he mind controlled that just lost his mind during the- yeah <laughs> <I> was- <laughs> oh it was good so yes. i mean i will continue watching it but at this point i'm like a little i'm i'm not exactly certain how i should <laughs> feel about it <laughs> glorious um i'm jay and i'm i'm Slowly starting to watch Star Wars Rebels. I say slowly because, uh, like my wonderful husband <laughs> will, he, he just likes movies a lot more than TV shows. And so, like, we're current, we're, we're, we just started rewatching, we, we finished rewatching, uh, Force Awakens. We're now watching The Last Jedi and he just likes that more than so TV shows. I'm- I'm in the same boat as him. I prefer movies over TV shows, but my daughter prefers TV shows. But we're also watching Rebels, and um, it's it's. I have to kind of like get her to come watch it with me. We watch usually one or two episodes during my lunch hour. I mean, I'm enjoying it. Are, I'm ready to give like my hottest take of of this podcast of this okay. this recording oh. of this podcast. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> not not ever. <laughs> Uh, but it's just such a better show than Clone Wars because it doesn't have young Obi Wan or Anakin in it. Oh, it has Anakin. 
Well, that's steep. Just well, later. No, yeah. I mean, Vader's, yeah, it has Vader. Vader's awesome. Vader's awesome. Anakin is not. Old, old Obi-Wan is awesome. Young Obi-Wan is not. How, how far into it are you? Sense of oh, pattern. We're, we're probably about five or six episodes. Oh, okay. Um, we're into season two. And I, I agree that it is better than, than, um, Bone Wars, um, for multiple reasons. Uh, but, um, the, the ending of season one and, and the first part of season two are just, they're really good. And I, I don't know, you know, where it's going to go from here. Uh, and I'm Josh and I don't know why I try to or wait around to watch either movies or shows with anyone other than myself. I am most happy when I'm <laughs> watching what I want to watch on the schedule that I want to watch it. Because otherwise, let me see. I just finished the first season of Shit's Creek with my wife, and I'm like, well, this is going to take the rest of my natural lifetime, but whatever. Uh, I mean, I am almost through a rewatch of the MCU with my youngest daughter, so that's kind of fun, I guess. And, you know, now my youngest son, all he ever wants to watch is Dude Perfect on YouTube, and I can slowly feel myself sinking into despair <laughs> at what capitalism has wrought. Uh, my two boys, they have stopped playing basically most games. They spend 90% of their time watching chi- uh, young adult streamers on yep. YouTube. Yep. It blows, oh it blows my aging mind. Uh, uh, like, yeah, it, like I'm watching, I mean, I watch plenty of Twitch, so I understand watching somebody else play a game. <laughs> But they, but I, I watch Twitch while I play games. I don't necessarily just sit there and stare at Twitch. I was going to say the closest what? I get to understanding Twitch is that I listen to a podcast of live play D and D. But that's because I'll never play it myself. I know I've I've accepted this. Yeah. Uh, I, I watch my youngest boy. He sits there and he stares at someone else playing Minecraft <laughs> on YouTube. For hours on end, and I'm like, why don't you just go upstairs and play that yourself? <laughs> Get off my lawn, obligatory. <laughs> well, on the bright side, uh, pretty soon they'll they'll follow a few YouTube suggested video links, and yeah. we'll be rapidly anti-vax and think <laughs> that the Earth is flat. So, you know, huzzah! <laughs> Uh, I force my my boys to watch YouTube Kids. So the only not, good parenting I do, Jay, is I watch the history on YouTube. So I'm like, all right, we're safe for the moment, unless the anti-vaxxers are, <laughs> are like we? teaching the kids to clear their history right after finishing the video. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I don't really have a um, Games Workshop story to share this week. Sad. Sorry. Are you going to give me a discount games update about? Mary, Mr. Darcy has been restocked on the shelves, and I get my own copy now. Did you? I mean, we have it there. I stopped in the other day, and it, you were out, I guess. So I'll come get one. Oh, okay. I'm just uh, saying, uh, in and threw off the, the shelves expansion. after you recommended it. The expansion to yeah, what? Uh, it, might be, it might be in the basement still. But. Oh. I, I stopped and purchased the expansion to Tapestry, which I promptly brought home and then uh, didn't play. Same, same. Uh, the darkest timeline story is that. <laughs> there's there's been a few of these every now and then where like I could have swore that I gave pre-order numbers to my Asmodee sales rep and evidently I didn't or he didn't get them or something but 
that the latest one that that's happened on is the um, Twilight Imperium expansion. Oh no! Yeah, that's that's how I feel too. (laughs) (laughs) He's and he's basically like, yeah, we're filling up pre-orders, and then after that, uh, we don't know if there's going to be anything left. I'm like, yeah. Oh, I'd be angry. I'd be like building the bomb in the garage. Uh, so yeah, um, fingers crossed on that. I guess. Okay. Um, I guess n- other news from Discount Games Inc. Uh, this week we have there's the Virtue Champion and Virtue Hosts that are releasing. There is Comcore and the Reclamation Building for um, Monster Apocalypse, and then there's uh, three squads for um, Warcaster that are releasing this week. Actually, by the time you hear this, uh, if you order it, it'll ship out right away. Um, then also, I, I haven't been told what the allocation numbers are going to look like yet on the Battle Forces, but Games Workshop every year around holiday season does these big army boxes, basically, that are good prices for, for what you get. Um, and those should be going live in about a week. So... Um, check those out. So this week we are going to talk some about different mechanics in board games, what the mechanic is, and uh, what are some examples of, of board games that we, we like quite a bit within those. And one of the things that's nice is that um, if you go to Board Game Geek, one of the things that you can sort their ranking by is by um, is by mechanics, and so if if you particularly want to uh, do a worker placement game, then uh, you you can go to that and and see what the highly rated uh, options for that are. So uh, that'll make it a little bit easier for us to do this discussion. Although, uh, spoiler alert: there are tons of. Uh, mechanics that they have in their categories where we are not going to uh, cover all of the categories they have listed. Um, but we can... Well, we can I could do that. Ahead, it would be amazing. Some, yeah, some of the categories are barely mechanics. Right. Yes, yeah. like we're, yeah. We are not going to go through the flicking mechanic and talk about <laughs> flicking a thing across the table. That uh, is although it is... Perfect. It is, it is useful to be able to work by that. But we did pick, we did blast out pitch car at the Wheeler family household the other day, and it's still good. I mean, we can, we can talk about the, um, upper level of that, which is dexterity as a mechanic, but yeah, I'm yeah, not going sure. to get into the, the weeds of dexterity mechanics. You coward. Okay. So <laughs> we'll, we'll take, let's, we're, we're just going to take turns shouting out mechanics. Uh, and, and Josh, why don't you go ahead and, and start and pick a mechanic for us to discuss. Uh, the first one I want to discuss is, uh, I've called it this, and probably because Board Game Geek taught me to call it this, but I want to talk about variable player powers. So since Jay had me shout it out first, I will just say the crown jewel of representing this mechanic. Well, is... before you do, define it. Okay, so variable player powers is... Um, for example, everyone may start relatively similarly on the 
on their board state, but everyone is going to have uh, something individualized about them. So, uh, meaning that they will have different special powers or that say, for example, certain terrains will affect them differently or that they have conditions that when they meet, you know, something is unlocked that is only uh, specific to them, uh, so on and so forth. Uh, so I won't say the crown jewel first. I will say I think a good example of it or one of the best modern examples of it is Root, the board game. Uh, that's very much variable player powers because everyone is literally a different faction who literally has like different ways to score, different ways to, you know, engage in combat, different ways to uh, improve themselves, so on and so forth. Uh, so I think that's a great. It's, it's more. It's more than variable player powers. It's almost variable player rules. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, it's almost like you're playing separate games that happen to mesh, you know, at the scoreboard, essentially. So, but I think that's a great example of the mechanic, uh, modern, in modern terms. Cause um, when you say va- variable player powers to me, I think of games like TI, you know, Twilight Imperium third or fourth edition, where everyone's playing with the same set of rules, but they've got, you know, their faction has a slightly different rule. And I both love and hate this. Really? Uh, okay, mechanic. go on with why yeah. you hate. Is this like card game hate or, or actual hate? Uh, there's no difference there. These <laughs> pictures are the same pictures, Josh. <laughs> Whatever. Okay, um, so why do you hate it? That's interesting. So, I, 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 as I said, I both love and hate this. Yeah, yeah. The, the reason I hate it is because it feels like there's generally not enough uh, playtesting done. So I don't feel like, I don't feel like there's enough balance in them. Okay. In, in most games that I play that have variable player powers, you'll step to the table thinking, Oh, this is cool. This is quaint. And then five games in, you're like, well, crap. The Russians are freaking broken and there's no way that we can win this game if somebody gets that combination of player power with this particular, you know, unit or whatever. And and then when it's done right, when the variable player powers are done well, and you do not necessarily feel like one particular faction is broken, and this is not the common one, this is the rare one, but when they're all balanced well and it just sings, that's when it feels special. So do you agree with me that Twilight Imperium is a wonderful representation of it being done well? Um so I you mean TI4 the the base box game I think that that's probably the closest that Twilight Imperium has been. So I don't know I mean obviously we haven't seen the expansion yet we don't know what the player powers are there or what changes there are but I think that in 3rd edition there were certainly some races that were stronger than others. And I guess maybe I haven't played enough of TI4, but in my just, you know, the few games I've played, I mean, I played it four times, I think, which is more than most games I play. Yeah. Um, but the few times I've played it, uh, it felt like while not all factions, uh, not all factions were equal in all situations, which they can't be, there was always a path to victory. Every, every faction, I felt like you had a path to victory and you followed it correctly you could win with that faction. And that, that, that wasn't the case with TI3. Mm, yeah, I see what you're saying. I can definitely think of a few that were more powerful than others in TI3. Uh, I'm curious. So another, I think another great sort of modern example, which I've already mentioned it in the podcast, is uh, is Tapestry. And I actually don't think it's done as well as some of some of the others. Um, 
And the reason I say that is like uh, Jamie Stegmaier, the game's designer slash publisher, um, he basically put out sort of a balance. I'm going to call it a patch almost. Not very long after it, it released, where he basically was saying like, if you're playing this faction, you, you got to spot yourself or you got to spot your opponent this many points kind of thing, you know, which uh, was yeah, sort of like I just, just I didn't nakedly like showing that these factions are markedly more powerful out of the gate than others kind of thing. Yeah, and I didn't like his his solution, which was uh, adjust via handicap. Right. He, he yeah, added or removed victory felt points. inelegant, I guess, is probably why we don't like it. But I agree that it was sort of an issue. Yeah. Uh, I, Jay, I love that game, but not, yeah, yeah. not because the the factions the, are balanced. Not because of the variable player powers, right? Well, so, and and nobody's going to be surprised to hear me admit that, like, I don't have Trevor's issue with variable player powers because I'm like balance. That's for gym gymnasts, you know, like whatever. <laughs> <laughs> like, just throw some crap in the blender and let's watch how it blows up. Yeah. You know? I mean, there's no, no one shocked. I know. Like, you, you can play chess or go if you want a balanced game, and otherwise. Let's have some variable oh. player power. <laughs> I, I, want, I don't. I don't want it. I don't, it doesn't have to be perfect balance. But geez, like there's some games out there where you know it becomes pretty obvious that no, I don't want to. I don't want to take away. Something from, in I don't want to take away from Jarvis' complaint. Like right, I think there can definitely be. It's the risk you're taking for sure, right? Like I just am not as. Uh, I don't think I'm attuned as attuned to it as, as some people are. And and if you come to me and be like. Josh, this is, this would clearly win nine times out of ten. I'd be like, uh, okay, probably. <laughs> no, I know. I mean, I understand that Josh likes he Josh likes having an underdog. I think that in some situations, you almost there are a certain subset of people where if you have variable player powers, you might want to set up one of the teams to be less powerful because there are people like Josh who want to play the underdog, yeah, and they're excited about it. Right. Right. Jay, I want to hear if there are if there's a game or two that you think we ought should also mention that has the variable player powers that you've enjoyed. Oh, um, boy, you're putting me on the spot. Oh, well, I didn't mean uh, that. I got one I'll mention. Give me one. I think of one off the spot, which is I know that you love, which is uh, Terraforming okay. Mars. I think Terraforming Mars is another nice modern example of. Uh, yeah, I I think that's true. Because you know each corporation um, has slightly different powers yeah 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 um another i I'm, I'm scrolling through the um the ranking on board game geek for this one yeah and one of the higher rated ones that that i do enjoy quite a bit is the arkham horror card game oh yeah um, you've actually played that in most of any of us yeah and and it, it's a, it's a pretty good example i mean you you play different classes you need to have a Actually, a good mix of classes working together to have success, um, etc. So, another good co-op example because Arkham Horror, the card game, is typically right. a co-op, right? Is any of the pandemics? Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, those are those are also a great, uh, yeah, uh-huh. variable player power example in a co-op world. So, right, right. Okay, Trevor, uh, pick a mechanic. So there are, are some mechanics that I'm going to talk about that I don't necessarily know that I can explain why I love them. Mm-hmm. Um, and and this is the first one that I I love, and I don't know that I can explain why. And and that is uh, push your luck or pressure luck. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> so I, I loved the Pressure Luck video uh, game show as a kid. When you know, I would pretend I was sick and stay at home on the couch. And you this know, is no whammies, right? Right? Oh man, yes, yes. Grandparent. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and, and watch uh, The Price is Right, and then watch Pressure Luck. Um, and in board games, I to this day I still love it. And and I, the example of uh, so Pressure Luck is a mechanic where um, you can continue pushing for an additional reward, but with a higher risk of complete and total failure. Um, the, the the game I'm going to use as an example of this is Quacks of Quellenberg. Nice. Or Qu- Quedlinburg. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. Anyway, Quacks of Quedlinburg is a, a game where you're creating potions and you're pulling ingredients out of a bag. And those ingredients are almost like a custom-built deck that you have built throughout the course of the game by spending resources that you've earned from potions you've sold previously. And and one of the mechanics is is that you're sort of watering your potion down with... Uh, I, what, what's the resource called, Josh? Uh, the uh, one that it, you're watering the, it the, down the, with? Pumpkin, yeah, the white usually. flowers. Oh, no. I don't no, even no, no, know no, what no, the no. white flowers are called. We just call them poison. Oh, okay. Well, you're essentially putting uh, you know a, a, an agent into there that's that's... Uh, making it go a little bit farther, but if you put too much in, it's going to make your uh, the people sick who take the potion. And um, so you're pulling these ingredients out of this bag and you're throwing them onto the potion. And the, the more ingredients you can throw in, the more the the, the greater the potion becomes, and the, the more you can sell it for, and the greater number of victory points you can pull up, you can use it for. But if you pull out too many of the white flowers, you can only choose one of the two. You can either sell it. Or you can get victory points from it, but you can't get both. Am I remembering that right? Yep, yep, no, that's that's spot on. Okay, and 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 so uh, that mechanic, the, the the pressure luck mechanic, I've always found incredibly compelling. I can't explain why, other than I enjoy it. I'm not even. I don't know if it's even a good mechanic. I mean, it clearly well, I mean, it, it an works entire for some industry game. of casinos probably says that it's a little bit of human nature <laughs> to to like that. Yeah, maybe. Right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's 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 kind of the classic uh, getting a dopamine rush from you know taking this chance. Well, and, and one of the first Euro games, not like it was one of the early Euro games I played, and still one of my favorites. And there's an iPad app for it, or at least there was. Um, is a um, a game called Raw. Oh yeah, where you yeah, are yeah. Um, you're pulling tiles out of a bag. Um, this is a a, a game. Uh, by Reiner Nietzsche, who you pull tiles out of the bag and you're using it and you're trying to get combinations of things, so or sets of things, um, and you're you're you need water to to feed your crops, etc. With any so you're pulling water tiles out, and basically, um, if you go long enough, you'll pull enough raw tiles out of the bag. Raw, the god raw from Egyptian mythology. If you pull enough raw tiles out, basically you get nothing, <laughs> and um, the it it combines one of the other things I really like, which I, I'll mention next time. I'm not going to take it into this discussion, but um, the pressure luck uh, aspect of raw was something that I always just absolutely loved because I always felt like I was, and this is probably a completely inaccurate assessment, but I always thought I was good at at risk assessment as to figuring <laughs> out okay, at what point should I stop, and um, so I just just I, I love the. Uh, pressure luck so i want to i want to just mention one game that i think is a great almost pure distillation of pressure luck that people should consider you know especially if you're getting together with family and that kind of thing uh 
because we played we played the heck out of this game. Like I honestly need a new copy because the cards are almost worn through, right? But um, it was a little card game called Ink and Gold. It's been a couple different names. Like it was also called Diamant, I think, but that might Diamant, be the German yeah. version of it, right? That, so I think the current is that what the current version of it is, Jay? Is Diamant still, or is it back to? Um, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's had a bunch of different publishers as well. Yeah, it, it's it's gone through a lot of different versions. But anyway, I mean, it's essentially like you're basically an Indiana Jones type character raiding a temple, and the pushing your luck is like how far into the temple do you go trying to find the treasures before you draw enough traps that you essentially, you know, get destroyed. And uh, anyway, ton of fun. You know, it's funny to see. The thing about Push Your Luck that's fun is not just for yourself, like the dopamine hit, but it's just funny to see how different people approach it. And I don't know, maybe you should use it as like a, um, uh, employment t- tactic, you know, like, let's see how, <laughs> let's see how far okay. the person will go. <laughs> Listen, Josh, if I ever become a manager somewhere and I have to hire people, that will be my interview process. They will come in, <laughs> there'll be a game out on the table. I will say, Listen. I don't care about your ability to do the job. I care about your ability to learn from a rules discussion <laughs> and then how you approach this game. Uh, you know, interview starts now. Let's play this game. Man, I think we could just spin off a whole consulting company that does that, Trevor. H- huh. HR gamers, you know. Yeah. Uh, this je- this guy uh, pushes his luck way too far. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Never stops when drawing cards in ink and gold. He goes till bust every time. Mm-hmm. Okay, so for uh, the mechanic that I'm going to start with, uh, it is it's a mechanic that I enjoy quite a bit. Um, although, like Trevor, I cannot necessarily say why I enjoy it as much as I do. Uh, but this is the auction slash bidding mechanic. Mm. Oh, you're stealing mine. Oh yes, and Mr. Lover of Goa over here with his mechanic. It's true. Uh, but one of the things that's kind of funny about this too, is that if you look at the board game geek categories, they have like auction bidding, but then there's like, they have a bunch of different sub categories. Like different types of auctions and stuff, right? Yeah. 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 Dutch auctions or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I guess there's, there's just, uh, one of the, one of the things that I think is, um, really critical being a, uh, a good gamer is being able to make valuation judgments. And I think that that's true in, it carries over across like almost all genres of games. You you need to be able to decide whether or not a, an action or a piece or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, what's, what's the, the best value for, for what you're doing. And, um, auctions tend to be a, um, a really good distillation of that. Obviously there's, there's just something enjoyable about like you're at least to me is like you're bidding back and forth with someone and you it's, let's say it's getting down between two of you and, and it's getting up really high and you're, you're just on the fence of whether or not you're going to keep bidding or pass. Um, and it's, it just creates an enjoyable tension in my opinion. Uh, Another variant that I, I think can be interesting as well is there's there's some games where you do basically just one round of bidding. And so uh, sometimes you, you're like, okay, this is going to be my only bid. How so high am I going to go? I don't want to overbid, but I do want to get this, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And so there's, 
there's a lot of interesting permutations that auctions can add to games, in my opinion. No, um, and, I, I, didn't, and it's I didn't provide this service for Trevor, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you why you like this mechanic so much, Jay. Oh, okay. Please, please. Yeah. It's because you're ridiculously good at it. I <laughs> I like to play auctions, but man, when I'm against Jay, I'm like, I, why did I even come for this particular mechanic? <laughs> like, I, I, I am, I am like, I, I used to lose Monopoly as a kid against my cousins for the same reason, because I like don't have the ability to step away from an auction when it's far past the point when I should. You know what I mean? Oh, I, so I I love auctioning as well. I love bidding, and and I I think I like it for the same reason that Jay likes it because people like Josh, you can get them to spend <laughs> three times more than the thing is worth. And then you leave them hanging and just see that the, the impending doom come across their face as they realize <laughs> that they've spent their entire stack on something that wasn't as critical, but they got caught up in the emotion of the moment. I think it's I, cute. You I love that. It. I realized that in the moment. It's I not until after the game is over. <laughs> Why did I ever bid my entire family fortune on that? But the, the part that makes it even even better are like the few times where you're like, man, I'm I'm gonna bid this person up and pull it over on them, and then they stop before you do, and you're just like, oh no, what's happening? <laughs> uh, so I mentioned it earlier, but Raw has a bidding mechanic, and it does something interesting that I've I don't know that I've ever seen it anywhere else. There is a the, the bidding in in raw is a series of tokens and they range from I can't remember the numbers one to eighteen I think or one. To uh, I haven't played in a while, so I can't remember exactly. But yeah, and you stick the numbers in um, a particular order at the beginning of the game. So generally, you would have gotten like a a one, a five, and a nine, and the like the higher the numbers, the better or something. You anyway, it tells you how in the rule book how to separate the bidding numbers out. But um, after the first round of bidding, the numbers are basically you can figure out, you can manipulate what numbers you're going to get because the numbers become part of your bid. The previous bid stays out, the, the token that's the number. So if somebody bid, right. say, 15 on the last auction, that number stays out, and it is part of the next bid. So if I can win that one, I know in the next round I will have a 15. Anyway, it, the in raw, for example, that that mechanic is a big part of how you win the game is by manipulating yeah. the bids to win the best numbers, especially late game. Right. Um, and and Josh already mentioned it, but one of our favorite games, Goa, uh, mm -hmm. it's not the same mechanic, but it has a similar mechanic in where you're wanting to try to set yourself up so that you're in position at the right opportunity with the bidding. So there's multiple things you're bidding on, not just the item that you're bidding. I, I will real quick say that uh, for those who haven't had a chance to play Raw, um, it is, in my opinion, like one of the, I think it's one of the like achievements in game design. I think you're it's right. It's just such a, it's just such a well-designed game that it's kind of astonishing how how good of a job he did on that game. Well, I think if you wanting to be a game designer, you need to probably, in your studies, you need to probably set aside a period of time in which you're like, I'm all I'm going to do is study Reiner Nietzsche's games. Yeah, I mean, no, it's probably there, true. There's like he's so, so much of his, yeah, and and there's so many of his mechanics that even in his unsuccessful games, I feel like he broke new ground or he provided insights that you could learn from. Right. So, 
Jay, other than Goa, I mean, I, I assume that's probably your favorite auction game. Is there another one that you would mention to oh, the listeners? I don't know if I would say it's my favorite. Oh, really? Um, okay. I do enjoy it. Power Grid. Power Grid's probably, yeah, Power Grid's oh, probably yeah, my favorite. Yeah, you're right. Okay. See, that's why I needed to ask the question. Be reminded. What about um, you, Josh? But I, oh, what about, hmm, favorite? I mean, look, I'm going to give you an answer, and it's not a fair answer, but it's true. It's through the age, which is not... It's not an auction game, but it is like probably my fa- one of my favorite games that has auctioning play a very important component, you know, throughout the course of it. One, I'll, I'll throw another one out that this is, you'll probably have a hard time finding this new, but if you go on the used, um, market, you can probably find this fairly easily. Um, and it's an Avalon Hill game called Vegas Showdown that, it has its its auction mechanics in it are are really cool in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know what you call that type of auction, um, where you bump someone's auction marker off of something and then they have to decide to go somewhere else. Right. Yeah. Um. Let me let me see what it says on Board Game Geek. What it's uh. <laughs> what it calls it. <laughs> what it calls it. Yeah. Uh, I'll I'll come back to that. But anyways, that's a that is one that um. Oh, it's old enough now that maybe a lot of people haven't uh, heard of that. Right. And... Yeah, I don't know where they would find a copy of it, really. I, I, I hold on to mine preciously. I would not let it go. No dummy. Yeah, it, it is. It is a really cool game, in my opinion. Um, it says mechanisms, auction bidding, auction fixed placement. Mm, okay. So, so, so one of my favorite auction games that we haven't mentioned. It doesn't get a, a lot of. Um, um, it seems like it's kind of went gone under the radar maybe a little bit um and it looks like they reimplemented and i did was not aware of this but um spartacus uh game of blood and treachery which is um, oh, a bit man. older now and probably hard to find um has some auction mechanics in it that i really enjoyed i have amazing um, memories of that game <laughs> what sorry yeah. what what game was it again spartacus oh okay you, your auctions you're, you're bidding on gladiators basically yeah. Right. And there are times when you can basically stick it to your opponents in ways that um, are just amazing and fantastic. Apparently, it's been re-implemented as a X-Men Mutant Revolution. I'd never even heard of that game. Huh. I, I think I would rather play the, um, the original. Spartacus version. Yeah, yeah. The, the the mechanics of fighting in an arena with gladiators that you bid on. It, it just, I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was a great game and one that didn't get enough um, recognition. Okay, Josh. Back give us me. a mechanic. Oh, okay. Am I going to have time for two more, or or have I got to pick my favorite? No. Topic? Well, I mean, let's be honest here. We're we're going to be going into a bonus episode. Oh, oh. Okay. <laughs> okay. Hold on. Just deep breath. Okay. In that case, I will wait. Even though I just think I saw a game that's coming out that is literally the implementation of one of mine. But the one I want to talk about right now is um, card drafting. Yeah. I, I am a total You're sucker for mine. card drafting. I'm not saying I'm supplementing it because I knew you you wouldn't want to talk about oh. card games. You know, it would it would hurt. Heart. <laughs> Screw you. <laughs> so, Josh, yes. Yes, I'm going to steal yours. <laughs> I'm I'm going to bring up a beloved example of this, and I'm going to let you try to tell me why it just hasn't clicked for me like it has for everyone else. Oh, okay, I'm ready for the Avatar: The Last Airbender card drafting games. Go ahead. Is this Jay. seven yeah. wonders. Yeah, Seven Wonders. It's got to be Seven Wonders. 
Um, why hasn't it clicked for you? It's not meaty enough. There's just not enough meat on the bones of it for you. Uh, that could be, I guess, maybe. I mean, I it's know. just because it, it really is like the purest distillation of card drafting. Like, I mean, it's because it, you hate joy. <laughs> I mean, well, this is also true. Yeah. So. I mean, Seven Wonders excites me in because the art is so neat and like it's it's so simple to teach. I really, it feels like I need to like give it another go because like it just like I tried it and everyone else was like, "Man, this is amazing!" I'm just like, I mean, "It's it's fine, I guess." I don't. Did you ever play the two-player version, Jay? Did you ever play Seven Wonders Duel? Because I think you and Brian would really enjoy that. Except for I forget, you don't necessarily like to. Do you? <laughs> no, Josh, that's yeah, a bad okay. Josh. You're right. You're right. <laughs> my bad. My bad. Uh, Seven Wonders Duel is fantastic, though. Yeah, it's um, really good. anybody oh, yeah, out there it's, who's it's looking like for a two-player game. Yeah, it is amazing. Uh, anyway, um, I mean, yeah, that's the only thing I can come up with, Jay, is that maybe it's just too distilled for you. Yeah, I don't know. Because it's a great example of it. Here's the thing that I've come to realize, though, about card drafting. Well, I mean, so there's so define. Define drafting real quick. Yeah, okay. So I was going to say, I'm going to define it in two different ways. So I think of card drafting, uh, I think probably what people first think of is like, say you're going to go play Magic the Gathering and do a draft league, right? Well, that is, you open a pack of cards. Yeah, it's my favorite way to play Magic, 100%. You open a pack of cards, you pick one to keep, you pass the remainder to your left or right, right? And then you rinse, repeat until everybody has done that. I mean, in Magic, it's what? You do that 45 times? And then you build a deck from yeah, from yeah. from that. Um, so that's one way of drafting, and and there are some great games that do that. I'll just stick with Jay's example of Seven Wonders, right? But the other the other kind of drafting, I'm going to just call it drafting the river. And and my favorite implementation of this is through the ages, where you have you know these technology cards and and military units and things basically coming down a river getting progressively cheaper the you know the price that you pay for them and through the ages is um, your action points and so they're cheaper as they get to one end of the river um, but sometimes you want to spend like the big money and grab a very critical card that's that's further up the river from you and i just have realized recently like how much i love i love both versions of drafting but i think i love the river more um one of the games if you've been on our Discord chat, you know if you're a, if you're that level of Patreon subscriber. First of all, I love you and thank you. Um, but you've heard me like repeatedly talking about menopause and a game called Bios Origins and how I've been playing it solitaire. And I like keep I keep wanting to go back to it. And part of I'm just realizing that part of why I'm keep going back to it is because well, one of its core mechanics is basically a three columned river of text, you know that that start with like dog domestication and end with, you know, a uh, power company. You know? So it, it expands the whole human experience kind of thing. Anyway, and I just, I just really enjoy that. Okay. What's coming. And Oh, is now the time that I jump and pay a higher amount for it. Um, so is that but, why you like Pax Pamir? Yes. Yeah. It's two rivers, right? <laughs> it's like, I realized how much that, that particular mechanic can just suck me into a game. I, so in Pax Premier, you also have events coming down the river, and well, I guess you do in some of those others too that you mentioned. Yeah. Um, and they're kind of like, okay, you know, you don't necessarily know when the event's going to come, um, because and it, how you draft on, can affect that on you how know. you draft. Yeah. And yeah, and you can force the event to come to the front quicker or slower depending on how you draft. 
but you don't have full control over it. It might be your opponent that, that forces it to come up. Yeah, exactly. Now, I'm going to make a guess so, here. Apparently, this is a game I'm playing with myself. Oh, go ahead, Trevor. I was going to say, one of the games that I really enjoyed, and I didn't get to play it enough because I don't own it, it's Josh's, but we played it at his house, is Imperial Settlers. And it is a drafting game as well. And I, I really enjoyed that game. Um, and I think that it's a, you know, a game that probably doesn't get enough hype. Um, but, uh, I just didn't get a chance to play it again. Um, so anyway. Yeah. I feel like I should go back to it because I haven't played it enough. Jay, I want to, this is my game for this episode. Apparently I want to guess one of your favorite drafting games. Uh, so I'm, it's also just to mention it, of course, but is it terraforming Mars? Um, so, if you're if you're saying yeah. board games, then I probably yes. And what you're telling me but is you should never draft in that game. I don't no, no, really I, like I, the I, drafting in that game. I'd rather play it the other way. Right. I like drafting in it. Um, no, I I think like the best the best form of drafting is in a collectible card game. Oh yeah, so, okay, that's a fair argument to make. All all else falls short of the glory. um the and i've it's it's i've i've played it it's been good in it's not just good in magic um i've i've enjoyed it in eternal uh quite a lot as well as another example so i mean it's half the reason i'm still addicted to stupid hearthstone sure yeah like again that's my favorite format of that okay any any final things to say on drafting uh i mean we could probably go on for a while on it but no i think that you know I just want to make sure we talked about the, the two different styles. And there's probably other styles that I'm not thinking of either, but the river gets me, man. <laughs> okay. Trevor, do you have a, a quickie? Uh, I'd feel bad if you made me turn this into a quickie. <laughs> I, I'm going to steal Josh's. We could do part I, of I can do a, in this episode. I can, and then I can the, do a fast one. I, I'm excited for you to steal it, though. We got, we got time. We got time <laughs> for the tech tree. <laughs> yes. Oh my heavens! 100%. We have time. don't have time for that. No, we yes, we do. Whatever. This is the greatest no, mechanic no. known to man. Define <laughs> define the tech tree. Okay, so the tech tree is a, a series of unlocks that you must um, follow down, and you can choose your path through the tech tree. This is the most um, the equivalent in a video game might be the skill tree in World of Warcraft or uh, Diablo. Diablo. Yep. Um, there's there's a lot of games that use this mechanic that, you know, as you unlock one skill, it unlocks a tree of skills below it or above it, depending on which way the tech tree goes. Um, so uh, the the game that stands out to me as the most glorious tech tree of all time is TI3. And they kind of took it away with TI4 and simplified it, and it needed to be simplified. In TI3, I would hand, when I would play with people, I would hand them a sheet that showed them like a little graph that they would have to follow. Like a, tree a specially developed fig- sheet, right? Yeah, to figure out which which path they needed to go to unlock the power they wanted. But I really appreciate a well-designed and well-thought-out tech tree that makes you make difficult choices. I mean, that's, in my opinion, from a game design perspective, that's what you should force upon the player, is yes. difficult choices. Yes. Make them pick something and go down that path and have to basically forego getting something else. Yes, make sure there's tech tree should do. for their choice. Yes. I mean, honestly, if the tech tree <laughs> allows you to get everything in the tree, it's not a tech tree. It doesn't really... It, it's just a matter of unlocking everything. Yeah, it's just, it's just a timed power-up, that's all. 
Yeah. I'm so um, I really enjoy tech trees. Um, they're not very common in games. Is is like not they're not as common not as they should the be. That, yeah, not as common as they should be. And I can't think of too many that are well done. I mean, I'm looking through on Board Game Geek on the Tech Trees like rankings, and the games that it has listed as some of the Tech Tree games, I don't even really like. One of them is Scythe. I never really even considered that a Tech Tree game. I I realize why it's telling you that. Yeah, but it doesn't necessarily simple, right? Pretty simplified. Yeah, yeah, and and truthfully, there's not a lot of hard decisions in Scythe when it comes to the quote unquote Tech Tree. Like you'll in a good game. If you're playing well, you'll probably unlock most of it. So, Trevor, I have to read to yeah. you the description of. I've also been browsing a little bit the BoardGameGeek.com holiday gift guide, and there is one on there, and this is literally the description of the game. The game is called Beyond the Sun. For the record, it just released this year. The description is: collectively develop a tech tree to fuel the automation and colonization of space. <laughs> Oh, I want it. It's like if a drug dealer walked up to me and just plunged the <laughs> needle right into my vein. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've always joked. I mean, um, Josh and I have played with the idea of being game designers, and we've tried to design game design. And, and Josh has always said that, that if he could design the perfect board game, it would be uh, Tech Tree the board game, <laughs> where you um, literally just you know made Tech Tree. Now I will say I've realized Trevor that I think I think this is like a uh, I'm going to call it like a bastard cousin of the tech tree but I would love a game and I love games that have this just a dialogue tree same kind of thing right like make me make a decision in what I'm saying and make it have consequence right that's oh, I freaking love that stuff Are are you talking like Arabian Nights style? Oh that could be I mean I was thinking about I was thinking about like there are video games who have done it well right that like uh well i don't know i'm I'm just gonna say mass effect because that's the one i can think of but there's probably other ones that have done it better you know but it's like sure you got to make a choice of, of three or four conversation points and you know depending on what you say it has lasting consequences i mean all that you know anyway i just think it's kind of a close cousin of the tech tree but man i love a tech tree seriously it's <laughs> so ridiculous it's 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 kind of funny to me that so like one of my good friends, Joe, he has like very strong opinions on different things gaming related. Yeah, yeah. And one of his opinions is that tech trees are trash. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I'm not really sure why he has such strong feelings about it, but um, it, it does amuse me. <laughs> Fantastic. I was trying to think of any other. I mean, there's the truth is is there's not a lot of. Um, what well, I would call most, true tech tree games. I mean, most, most civilization most, games have sort of like a token tech tree, you know, and some are just yeah, better yeah. and stronger than others, more interesting than others, right? Like, and as an example, in on Board Game Geek, out of the thousands and thousands of games that they have listed, there are 69 board games that <laughs> fall in the... Oh, this is tech tree tech tracks, so... Right, that right, is, so... So a, if you take out tech tracks, you're left with only probably like not even twenty is my guess. What well, what was the game where you built the pyramid of tech trees? Like you you could you could add another one, but to get to level three, you had to have so many of level two or whatever. Um, that, that was Civ the board game. Yes, yeah, Civilization the board yeah. game. 
um, that Fantasy Flight released a few years ago. That's the one you're thinking of, yeah. Yeah, I actually like that one. It's kind of a nice balance. I mean, truthfully, you don't want to get to the point where you have to hand somebody a you know sheet of paper with a an actual tree on it and say, okay, this is how you get to where you want to well, go. Well, that's because maybe you're that's a too far. I don't know what you're talking about. No, no, no. I'm, I'm saying I'm that from a that. game designer's perspective, because right, right, I actually right, love yeah. that. I do. Too. I actually that was one of my biggest disappointments of TI4 was that they took that away. I mean, really, I what I'm looking for is a game where I need a PhD to actually get through the tech tree, right? Like. <laughs> but you know the, the nice happy balance of that game was that it was like okay you can have a tier two tech but you have to have so many tier one techs first etc cetera, etc cetera. you had to build your pyramid of a tree um and it was a nice balance as far as making it easy to get somebody into yeah and stuff like that's interesting tree. because then sometimes there will be like certain precursors that can sort of jump you to a, a higher level or, or a different tech that you might not have been able to reach otherwise. You know, I mean, it's just a lot of interesting stuff you can do with it. All right. Well, stay tuned to the bonus episode where we will talk about <laughs> more, more tech trees. Can we talk about more tech trees? Yeah. We love. Uh, probably, mm. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we love. <laughs>